I am honoured today. Uh, we're moving into a, a bit of a legacy season. I know that's been something that's been uh, on the heart of your pastor this, this time every year. Um, and so I'm not going to directly speak into money per se, uh, but I want to maybe contextualise a little bit about, about the generational impact, I guess, of, of this church uh, and the church. Um, I think that, uh, you know, when I think about Pastor Sean and Linda uh, and the, the faithful service over... Um, you know, for Pastor Sean, over 80 years now at this church. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's right. He does look pretty good for that. Um, no, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I see just faithfulness. I, I talk about my friend all over the world and the role that he's, he's got this local passion and love, both he and Linda for you as a church. But God has seen fit to use your pastor to help uh, churches all over our nation, as you know, uh, and on beyond. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a great connection into the islands of the Pacific, which are very much on, on the radar right now. Uh, may, maybe not a good choice of words on the radar, but uh, they're very much in the news. And uh, he's built some great relationships there. Um, and I, I am honestly very proud to call him a friend. Uh, he doesn't always admit that like to others about me, but I, I certainly freely talk about Sean as one of my dearest friends. And uh, I want you to know that I don't take this lightly. Uh, and uh, thank you for having me back. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about, we, we've got a bit of a, after COVID and all that kind of stuff, we, we, I try and every couple of years do a little thing. Uh, if you've got kids and you, you get grandkids, uh, particularly with the kids, you've got to keep lifting the bar on holidays, otherwise they don't come. You know, we used to we used to do holidays to the Central Coast, and then they started tapping out there, and then it went to the Gold Coast, and it was like, oh, that's all right, you know, theme parks and stuff. And then and then you know, you, so we, we've got a bit of a trip going to Fiji, and uh, one of my daughters uh, was reminding me of what happened last time we went to the islands. And uh, my wife and I were celebrating, I don't know, we're coming up for 39 years uh, married, but it was maybe it was 25 or something like that. And we'd been given a, a trip to Vanuatu. And in the shallows of just lounging around in the water, she got stung by a stonefish. And uh, it, was, it was a, I mean, they are creepy looking things. Uh, and, and it started to paralyse her. Uh, we raced her down to the infirmary and, uh, and, you know, the Australian doctor, sorry, nurse, she started looking up poisonous, uh, deadly fish, uh, that, that book. And, you know, when she starts getting panicking, you know that it's kind of, it's, it's probably time to have a bit of a panic yourself. But, but even, even lying there with my wife's arm going paralysed, and I think her leg, and then what happens is it goes to the heart. And so, and so they finally got a doctor. While she was lying there, this nurse is panicking, and she, my wife's calm as anything, which if you know my wife is not always her disposition. Um, it, it's funny, she, the little things you know, mess her up, but the big things, she was a flight attendant. It's like, you know, if you have a plane crash, you want Valerie on your side. Um, uh, but, but anyway, so she, she, she calmly said to Jane, she said, don't worry, Jane, the nurse. She said, I've got unfulfilled destiny over my life and, uh, and so I'm going to be fine. 
And uh, I thought, well, she's got more faith than me right now. You know, I thought, I thought we could lose her that day. It was a sliding doors moment for Valerie. And uh, turns out it, she was okay and, and uh, recovered and so forth. Um, there was a movie a couple of maybe two and a half decades ago called Sliding Doors. Now, I'm not pitching the movie because I think it might have been a bit sus. I can't remember. Uh, I, I was a Christian then, but, you know, maybe I was in a, in a bit of a lull. So, so don't blame me if you go and watch Sliding Doors. And you go, ooh, there's naughty bits in that. I want to talk about the concept of Sliding Doors, and that is that this young woman, young married, uh, no, young woman who left work a bit early and jumped on the train as the doors slid behind her. And because she was a bit early, she caught her husband in a compromising situation. She was having an affair or maybe her boyfriend or something like that. And, and that, then, then that set her life on a trajectory. And then they flashed back in the movie. Anyone remember this movie? Ooh, see? <laughs> we, we need some repentance today, Pastor Sean. Um, so, so, and, and so she, she missed the, the doors and that... And it flashed back to a trajectory that was quite different. Make sense? And I think our lives are full of sliding doors moments. Whether it's a near-death experience or just a circumstance of life, I think half of the sliding doors in our lives we don't even know happen. You've got angels in some of your cases working totally overtime. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they're, they're pushing the doors, go, quick, 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 stop, 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 you know. And, uh, but you do know that the angels do get off at 120 k's, right? So just be very careful of the speed that you drive. Um, and, so, and so I was thinking about this in terms of even our own family. My, my mum's dad was, uh, was from Johannesburg. Any South Africans in the room apart from our pastor? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, he was from Joburg and, uh, and, and, and was an orphan actually, but uh, did very well at... at French polishing and raised enough for the fair to go from Cape Town over to Perth. And he was going to hang out for a month or two and then head back. Tragically, the ship that was on the way back over from Cape Town to Perth that he was going to take back, it sunk. 300 souls were lost. So there was no ship. So he ended up staying, met my wife's mum. My mum was born and voila, you have a preacher today. (laughs) Sliding doors. Like I wasn't, I wasn't intimately aware of all that, but you just look back and you think what God does to arrange situations that, that, that result in who you are today. Uh, my wife's dad was in, was in the 51st Highlanders Division in the Second World War. He was a rear gunner. Anyone heard of Dunkirk? When the, when the British 40,000 flotilla of, of, of ships took the, the British back to England and he survived. There was about 10,000 British troops uh, that, that, that warded off the, the, the Nazis. Then they marched them down to a place called St. Valerie, which is, which is why my wife's name is Valerie with a Y. And, uh, they, and, and, and uh, Churchill surrendered um, those troops to the Germans. Uh, in fact, there was a famous photo uh, we might even have of Rommel, surre- uh, of them surrendering to Rommel. And he was marched across Europe and escaped seven times from POW camps. And I just thought about it. I thought, I'm glad he bothered to escape the seventh time. Because he escaped the seventh time, made his way back to England, met my wife's mum. My wife was born and consequently, I've got the greatest wife in the world. Sliding doors. 
So there are circumstances that happen. There are moments in time. You know, I think I've shared this before, this thought, that the Bible has a couple of different words for time. It has the word chronos, which is the, the ticking of the clock kind of time. And then there's the word kairos, which is the, the moment in time, like a God opportune moment in time. And I actually believe that for many people here today, God has already ordained a kairos moment for you. Not because I'm preaching, because this is His Word and His Holy Spirit is here. I'm going to pray just in a moment. And then there's genia or genios, which is generational time. And then there's aenios, which is eternity. So come with me on this. If we, if we, in the midst of chronos time, if we're alert and express faith in the kairos moment, it will have generational and eternal implications in our lives. There are those sliding doors moments. Sometimes it happens to us and other times it actually, we can proactively get presented with an opportunity and, uh, and, 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 and we, we take that opportunity. Um, the title of my message, if you're looking for one, as you turn to the scripture in Genesis chapter two, is the power of a tree, <laughs> the power of a tree. They say that a healthy society or church is when old dudes like me plant trees under which they will never enjoy the shade. So, so, so when you plant a tree, it happens that you, 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 you obviously, unless you're very young, uh, you're not going to see the fruit of that. My, my bride, my wife, and some of you know our story, she was married as a younger girl. And, and, and sadly, not sadly for me, but sadly her husband walked out with someone else and, uh, and they got divorced. Um, and then when, when he was gone, she didn't even know where he was at one stage. And so she bought, she was a flight attendant. She bought a little sapling. And in the afternoon of the, the cool of the afternoon in, in Brisbane, because pretty steamy during the day, but she would water that tree when she's back from her trip and she'd cry. She'd water that little sapling and she'd cry. And uh, thought nothing of it, came down to Sydney, we met, we married, we got our kids and life was going on and we were in ministry together. We were on holidays up in that part of the world, up in Brisbane. And I said, I said, do you want to go back and check out where you were from? Like where you live? She said, really? I said, sure. So we, we turned the corner of her little cul-de-sac. She didn't know the number, but we saw this tree that was covering not just her property, but the two properties on either side. This beautiful poinciana tree. And so while God was watering her life through her tears and bringing restoration, He was watering that tree and it was growing. And regardless of your background relationally, what mistakes you've made, what circumstances have befallen you, I want you to see that as a metaphor of God's incredible sliding doors, restoration over your life and your family. That's the kind of God that He is. Amazingly, that was about 23 years later. Amazingly, about uh, uh, eight years later, our youngest daughter had experienced a really tragic divorce. I'll get to the word in a minute. I just want to lay the foundation here. And she was only married 11 months. Her husband turned out to be very different to what he purported to be. And, uh, and she, it, really, it really did break her in many ways. Well, she happened to be with us when we went back there, like it was 41 years after Valerie planted the tree. And she stood under that tree with Valerie under the covering 
of the tree that Valerie planted in her pain that the goodness of God is exhibiting about the restoration that he has for her. Hey, and you as well, and you as well, the power of a tree. Father, I thank you for the power of generations. You are indeed the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And so today we celebrate that multi-generational nature of who you are, who you describe yourself as. And Lord, as we sit here in this really wonderful, healthy church, life you see, Lord, this ecclesia, this, this gathering of those of us that are called out for something special for you, we declare afresh a legacy over our gathering. We declare a fresh generational impact on our kids and our grandkids and their kids as well. Father, we give you the praise and the glory. As I open the word right now, I pray that you would guide me to share exactly what you want to. And anything that's just fluff, anything that's of my own, God, let it fall to the ground, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Bible is full of examples of trees. The whole story starts in a garden around a couple of trees. The biggest deception in history happened around a tree. Did God really say? The salvation of the world happened as the Saviour hung on a tree, aka cross. And the whole thing ends in, in Revelation 22 with a beautiful river coming out from under the throne of God. On each side of that river, there were trees that were for the healing of the nations. We pick up this story, uh, the first mention of trees really in Genesis chapter 2. And it says, verse 9, Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I want you to note that order. Pleasant to the sight and good for food. Um, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm not going to totally exegete that passage this morning, but, but let me just draw a couple of points out as it pertains to uh, the subject at hand. First of all, we see that, that God is a lavish God. He's given them all the trees. Uh, God's, God's uh, you know, PR company needs to be fired sometimes. He gets a bit of a, 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 a bad rap. Um, you would, you, some people think that God is all this, you know, you can't have this and you can't have that. This and many other passages display totally the opposite. God says, hey, I've given you a bazillion trees. Eat of them, enjoy them, climb them or whatever you want to do. They're all yours. Just don't touch two trees in the middle of the garden. Tree of life, tree of eternity, if you like. And the tree, note the words of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, that's my domain. You'll do best if you let me decide what is good and evil rather than partake of that tree and take that dominion or that domain back yourself. Well, you know the rest of the story. They did take of the tree and take back that right, believed the words of the enemy that says, you know, you're going to become wise and like God. And as they say, the rest is history. The difficulties have started for humanity when we've tried to decide what is good and evil rather than allowing God to do that. Note the order. There's no accidents in Scripture. The Bible says that when, when these trees are presented, they were, they were beautiful to the sight, to the eye and good for food. So, so beauty came before any behaviour. Worship came before any work. 
Consecration came before any consumption. Eve, however, and I won't turn to it. I'll, you believe me and you can check, it, check me up later. But in Genesis chapter 3, I think verse 6, it says Eve looking at those same trees says, oh, yummy, yummy. They're good for food and they're pleasant to look at. She reversed the order. And it doesn't matter who we are, when we reverse the order of God's beauty and we just get hooked on behaviour or God's worship of God and we get hooked on a treadmill of work or, 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 or we, we lose consecration because we are too consumed with consumption, then it has generational implications as it has for us. And so when we think about the power of, the, uh, power of a tree, we understand that God is thinking about generations. In Proverbs chapter 13, 22, it says a good man or a good woman lays up an inheritance for his children's children. There we go again. God is thinking generationally. It's not just, well, how my kids doing, but how are my grandkids doing? One of the things that this season has been described as is a liminal space or a liminal zone. The word liminal or comes from the Latin word which describes the, 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 the threshold stone. Uh, we've toured uh, a place called Pompeii just under Mount Vesuvius that in the first century spewed out a volcano as the volcano erupted and totally consumed that city. And they've now excavated a, a, a good portion of it. You can walk the, the streets of this first century city uh, as it was back in the time uh, of Christ. And uh, you, can, you can Google that and see it. It's fascinating. Uh, but one of the things every home has, because the draining system was a bit sus, they have a stone that you step up on and then you step down into the, into the place. It's called the liminal stone. It's the place in between. You're not where you were, but you're not where you're going. And so that's become colloquially an expression for that season of twilight in between. Our life growing up is full of liminal seasons. We are right now in a liminal season. We've come out of COVID, most, like, you know what I mean? Come out of the, 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 the horrendous season that that was, but we're not quite sure where we're going. Um, I think there's a woman by the name of, I think it's Susan Beaumont. She wrote a book called um, what, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going. And I find that there's lots of people, businesses and, you know, uh, uh, even churches and, and families. It's like educate, like we're not where we were, but we're not where we're going. We're in a liminal season. And so the danger in a liminal season is to try and get really exacting about everything, to try and control everything to try and control where we're going when that's a really difficult thing to do. There are certain things you can control. You can control, uh, I use that word advisedly, you can control your lean-in to, to the Spirit of God. You can control your alignment to being Christ-like. You can control your degree of beholding. You know, I, I know there was a little bracelet. I'll upset some with this, I'm sure, but what would Jesus do? And I don't like it. I don't like it because newsflash, you're not Jesus. And if you spend all your time, and I get the sense of it, it was a useful metaphor, a useful reminder, oh, I've got to do what Jesus, but if you're spending all your time focusing on what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? 
then your behaviour dangerously can become circular and even religious. Whereas, whereas the Scripture makes it clear, you behold Him and you'll start to behave like Him. As you, more, more, I, so I think we, we should maybe concentrate a little less on trying to do what Jesus did and concentrate a little bit more onto being with the Jesus that provides us with the example. And, the, and I don't know how it works, right? It's, it's osmotically, it, we, it becomes part of us. So if you're a new believer here, or, or you, you're back after a bit of a spell, then I want to really encourage you. There's certain fundamentals in the midst of a whole lot of stuff that you can't control. There's certain things you can control. You, you are a spiritual being having a temporary natural experience here on earth. So your natural, your native state is you're a spirit being. And, and, and the decisions we make and the opportunities we take they, 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 if they're aligned with Jesus, then you're going you're gonna to actually lay up well for the next generation. If there are those things that are pulling against what God wants, you say, what things? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I was saying to Pastor Sean just this week, I was, uh, I was thinking about some guys that I haven't seen for about eight or nine years. And I'll, I'll just do the headlines of this. And, and, and we hadn't really talked and there was kind of some awkward moments back then. And I've been carrying the thought in my mind. Haven't told anyone about this in terms of that I had been doing that. When are they going to apologise to me? The Holy Spirit said to me in my quiet time, because when you're with Jesus and you just simply, it's simple, grab a couple of verses, God, would you speak to me? Guess what? He does. It's scary. I actually didn't want to hear that. When he said, what if you're the one that needs to apologise? I get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> so over the last couple of weeks, I got with one of them and I said, look, the reason I'm here, I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I, if I, for, for what I did to make things awkward. And he's, he's teared up. And the other one, I got on the phone and we chatted and there's two repaired relationships. Yeah, it might seem a little thing, but it was actually quite significant for all of us. And, and, and I'm not saying there's those that you need to do, but there's moments in God, you, you can control that. You can control hearing from God because he wants to talk to you all the time and you can control obedience in the here and now because the decisions you make and the alignments you have in the here and now will have generational implications. Um, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, which is the quintessential uh, kind of... Uh, Liminal space. They, they were, they'd left Egypt, you know the story, and they weren't yet in the promised land. They spent 40 years roaming around the desert, following the cloud, but it wasn't randomly. It was like, it wasn't quick, get your stuff, just, just jump, in, jump in, the, in, in the mob. There was a real order because God's a God of order. God's a God of order. And the order was that the cloud led, then the presence of God with the Ark of the Covenant, with the Levitical priests, that went out first. And then, and then you'll read this in, in Numbers chapter 10. There were three tribes that always led. In fact, it was always the same order. And those three tribes were Judah, Issachar and Zebulun. I'll just tell you the story for the sake of time. Judah is always seen as like courageous, lion-hearted leadership. I know the word Judah means praise, 
But it's, it, Judah is the tribe of spiritual leadership, notoriously so. And I thank God for a church that has strong spiritual leadership, who hears from God, men and women of the Word, who desire, we're not going to get it right all the time, desire to follow God forth based upon spiritual leadership, not just carnal natural thinking. Now, Issachar, this is a, this is a fun one. The tribe of Issachar, it says of them, 1 Chronicles, I think, 32, verse 12, it says that they knew the signs of the times and they knew what to do. So there was a discernment or, if you like, a wisdom gift in Issachar. They're also seen as the scholars because while their partner tribe, Zebulun, who are the next ones, they would go out and, 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 and plough the ground and get stuff. It says of, 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 of Issachar, they would sit alone and, and read the Torah. So, so they gleaned the wisdom of God. They, they were those that, that, if you like, not just scholarly as in, as in brains, but they, they were determined to glean what God would say. I'm going somewhere with this in, in the context of our legacy. And then Zebulun, it says of them, they, they lived by the harbour. Now, if you live by the harbour these days, it'd be to get some good water views uh, or by the lake. No, no, nothing wrong with that. Just like that. Back then, that wasn't the deal. It wasn't like, oh, I hope we can get a good view. Uh, you know, if you're a surfer, I hope, I hope we can see where the sets are coming in at 5.30am so we can get out there on the board before catch the crowd. No, the reason they were by the harbour is that they were traders. They were traders. If you like, they were marketplace leaders or marketplace people, which is where most of you find your mission field. Um, and so, in fact, it says of them, they dug in the sands for hidden treasure. That's entrepreneurship. They were traders, they lived by the harbour, they bought and sold and sent things to the then known world. So just watch this. Judah, who led the way, they were spiritual leaders. Issachar were, were those full of strategic wisdom. You, you can put under that disciple making, you can put under that learning the Word of God. You can put under that gleaning wisdom and understanding what needs to be done in the here and now. All of the practical outworkings of that, of wisdom, wisdom by definition is finding a problem and fixing it. So if there's a problem for the poor in your area, we as the church rise up, do something and fix it. If there's a problem with single parents, I was with Simon before doing a great job up in Vanuatu with uh, some, some vulnerable women up there that are being uh, abused and so forth. He saw a problem and he's getting about fixing it. So that's what strategic wisdom does. So it's all of the functions, if you like, under the spiritual leadership, the functions of healing and care and community engagement, both here and overseas, we see a problem and we fix it. But then Zebulun, and this is, this is powerful, Zebulun were the entrepreneurs. They were, if you like, they were responsible for supernatural provision. So we had spiritual leadership, which you've got spades of here. We've got strategic wisdom that desires to fix some real issues. A little lady you're going to hear for, about Robbie Housen, which is one of the projects that you guys support. She is a woman that has dedicated her life to a couple of the nations in Africa and she's seen a whole bunch of problems and she's getting about the best that she can to fix it. 
And then we, as Zebulun, come in alongside and say, hey, let us partner financially with you, not just for you, but on behalf of generations. Does that make sense? Let me close this. Um, And in a moment, incidentally, I shared a bit about my wife's story. Again, I'm not going to go into my story. I, I don't stand here as someone who's got it all together or a guru that is telling you what to do. I'm, I'm very mindful of my broken background. I'm very mindful. I'm a first generation believer that maybe 30, 39 years ago, I, I walked into a church and surrendered my life to Christ from a, a life of, of drinking and in and out of relationships and so forth. So if you're here feeling a little bit vulnerable, like the roof hasn't fallen in, you're, you're in good company. We, we all got a story. And so we're just delighted to have you here. And so I'm going to pray a prayer just in a few moments. If you say, you know what, Michael, I'd love to, I'd love to get on board with a bit of a journey to, to, to discover God's love for me, to actually start a relationship uh, with him. So we're going to get, get to that probably about 90 minutes now. I've still got a fair bit to say. But uh, I, uh, I lost a dear friend about uh, three months, four months ago. And uh, he was one of my directors at Leaderscape. He was a pastor, a campus pastor up in Minneapolis. And uh, 52, he, uh, he had a, a blowout of an artery between his heart and his spleen and bled out. His wife was one of the top nurses in America, literally, Aussie girl. And uh, she oversees all the medical side of things for um, uh, a huge medical network up in Harcourt. Harcourt? Connecticut, anyway, up in Connecticut. Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut. So she was right there. So you don't get better service in terms of being able to bring you back if, you, if that's a possibility. And so she, was, she got him back, but there's just nothing that anyone could, could do. And I was given the privilege by his pastor and my good friend, Rob Kettling, uh, to, to do the celebration of his life, uh, do a big part of that. And, uh, and, but on the Sunday, uh, Pastor Rob said, can you go to his campus and just pastor him a little bit? Because uh, they're pretty shell-shocked. Anthony was like fit as a mallee bull. He worked out every day and, you know, he had biceps as big as my thighs and he would always wear tight T-shirts to show it, you know, and we joked about that at the, at the funeral. But, uh, but he, um, he was a real man of God. He squeezed the life out of his race for the sake of generations. I was on the front row just where you were in the c- comparison to, the, to the, the room that was there. And during worship, I got this picture of a hallway. They'd written a song called Hallways. And it says, Lord, remind me that, that this is not my def- destination. Life is a hallway. And, and as I was doing that, I was just worshiping God. And I got this vision that Anthony taking his last breath on earth. And there was this huge hunking, like five-story, big medieval kind of wooden doors. And they flung open and the radiance of the light nearly knocked him off his feet as he took his last breath and took the next breath of the atmosphere of heaven as he strode into, into heaven's gates. And it was obviously a powerful moment. And, uh, and then I had a thought. I thought, none of us know where we're at in our hallway. I don't want to freak you out or anything, but we don't know. He didn't think he was there. He, he probably thought he was way back there. He, 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 he didn't know that he was almost pressing up against the doors on that morning when he woke up. And we don't know. So every moment... As we align our hearts and our decisions in light of eternity is so, so precious. Um, along that hallway, I saw doors, sliding doors. And, and one of them had a crack shaft of light. 
And, and I sense there's that door for many here today. You'll get an opportunity to push that door aside and, and, and in a week or two, sow a seed for the legacy offering that will help generations. Like real, this is good soil. But there are others here today and your sliding door is actually about your own relationship with Christ. And if you're honest with yourself, don't need to be a prophet to know that there'll be a bunch of people here. You're kind of bumping along the bottom. You're kind of, you're just, you're going through the motions. Well, it hasn't always been like that. There was an effervescence about your faith. But, you know, sometimes we, we've been a Christian a long time. Other times we can tip over and we've just been a Christian too long. If you know what I mean? I'd love to pray with you. Whether you're here for the first time, brought by a friend, or you've just been coming a couple of times, or a first time in a long time, or maybe you've been consistent here, but if you're honest with yourself, your heart has shifted. You're just going through the motions. We can fix that today. God can fix that today. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer just in a few moments' time. Pastor Sean's going to come up in a minute and, and talk to us a little more about legacy. But right now, let's talk about your soul. Where do you stand you and Jesus right now, like honestly, we're, we're so thrilled you're here. There's no condemnation. Where do you stand? You and Jesus. And if you can't honestly say, my heart, you know, all is well with my soul. I love Jesus. Then, then listen up. Because in a moment, I'm going to simply get you to count. I'm going to count to three. And, and, and when I hit three, everyone here that says, Michael, pray with me. Include me in this prayer. I want to get my life right with Christ today. Come on, let's go. Close your eyes, please, around the house. Here we go. One, Jesus Christ died that you might have life. He took your sin and shame on that cross so that you could walk scot-free. You could be forgiven of your sin. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. When you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Come on, don't diss Him. Don't push him away, but respond to him.